Happy Easter. You're listening to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Eric Roges, and I'm the executive pastor here at Rolling Hills. This Easter Sunday, we're rounding off our Easter series as we celebrate what this day is really all about. Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection were all according to God's purpose. Jesus came to us and defeated sin and death to bridge the divide between sinful man and a loving, just God. It doesn't matter how much we've fallen short in life because Jesus has paid the price for each of us personally. All we have to do is accept his invitation. We're so excited to share the promises of scripture and the love of Jesus with you today. Let's listen in. Well, happy Easter to you. Has this been a fun afternoon already or what? I'm so grateful that you guys are here um, with us. For those of you who have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Jason Hale and I get the privilege of serving as the campus pastor here at our Nolensville campus. And so a special welcome to all of you who are with us for the very first time today. It truly means the world to us that you're here with us on Easter weekend. And so thank you. And I just hope and pray that you know if you hear nothing else today that you know this, it's, you're not here by accident. Not only are you not in this world by accident, but you're not here this afternoon by accident. God uh, loves you. He has an incredible plan for your life. In fact, his plan for you is better than you can even conjure up in your mind of how good his plan is for you. So just know that he loves you. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate that love than here on this Easter weekend to, know, to just proclaim boldly that he died and he conquered death so that he could conquer everything in our life. All the sin, all the hurt, all the shame, all the pain and I'm just so grateful that we get to share in that joy together. I have a question for you to kind of kick us off tonight. And the question is this, what makes a person trustworthy? Have you ever stopped to think about this? What makes a person trustworthy? What makes a speaker trustworthy? Is it because they have a microphone attached to their face? Is it because they have a stage that they can stand on? Is it because they write a book? Is it because they have a million social media followers? What makes a person trustworthy? Is your boss always just trustworthy because he or she has the title of boss? Are you trustworthy because of the statements that you make? Are you trustworthy because you have credentials? Do you trust people just because they look nice? You know, you look really awesome, so I'm going to trust you. The reality is we trust people for different reasons. I've thought a lot about this question in my life. In fact, I remember when I was contemplating a move to Middle Tennessee uh, back in the uh, mid-2000s, I was living in New Orleans at the time, studying in graduate school, and an opportunity came up available for me to move here to Middle Tennessee. And so what I did is I reached out to one of my mentors to ask for some wisdom and advice about should I make this move. And I was pleasantly shocked by the wisdom that my mentor gave me because I had been used to giving people wisdom where you pull out a sheet of paper and you would list the pros and cons, and that's the kind of like, let's determine if this is a good move based on the pros list versus the cons list. But my mentor asked me a question. They said, tell me about your future boss. And I had actually worked with the guy who would be my boss and had had a good relationship with him. And he was and still is one of the wisest leaders that I've ever worked with. And so I was sharing that with my mentor and they responded, well, it sounds like you trust him. So maybe you should move to Nashville and take the job. I was 26 years old at that time. And at that point had never really connected the dots about how important trust is how valuable it is to trust someone. Dare I say, the reason that a person is trustworthy is not because of the letters that they have behind their name. A person isn't trustworthy just because they have more Instagram followers than you do. And a person certainly isn't trustworthy just because they have a microphone that they speak into. Newsflash, you can go on Amazon and buy one of these. So that doesn't make you trustworthy by design. What I've come to realize, however, though, is that a person is trustworthy when they do what they say they're going to do. 
That's what really makes a person trustworthy is when you actually follow through with what you say you are going to do. We've probably all been there in that we have a person in our life who keeps telling us, let's get together sometime. Our families should get together. And you're still waiting on that invitation. Or every time you invite them to do something, they automatically have something else that comes up. Or you get the dreaded, maybe we can get together. And can we all just go ahead and say unofficially, maybe means no. I know a lot of you are from California. Welcome to Tennessee. We're so glad for you Californians, Arizonans, New Yorkers, Illinois, who are here now. We love you. We really are. I'm so grateful that you are here. So I want to give you a Tennessee 101 in case you haven't been in Tennessee very long. Maybe it's just a really nice Southern way to say no. Okay, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of the Southern way to say no, not quite yet, because the only reason that I really trust and know for sure that you are coming is when you click yes. And we've all had that experience. Just because someone makes a claim or just because someone opens their mouth doesn't mean that we automatically trust them hook, line, and sinker. So the question that I have for you on this Easter weekend, it's a very important question. And that question, again, is about trust. Why then can you trust Jesus? Why can you trust Jesus? How can you trust Jesus? And so this afternoon, we're going to spend a few minutes reading some verses in the Bible and making some claims about who Jesus is and what Jesus accomplished through his death and his burial and his resurrection. But I want to keep coming back to this question of why and how can Jesus be trusted? See, Jesus was placed on a cross, and he died a very cruel death as a criminal, though he had not committed any crime. And he was placed in a tomb, and he was in that tomb for about three days. And then he burst forth from the grave and he resurrected, he conquered death once and for all. And all that was done for you. And all of that was done for me. And all that was done for the sins of all humanity. But still, how can we trust him with our today and with our future? Our goal this afternoon is to seek to answer that question. So know that I'm glad you're here. For those of you that are here for the first time and someone invited you to come and join us today at Rolling Hills, thank you for saying yes to that invitation. We really appreciate that. And for those of you who invited someone to be with you today, know that I appreciate that greatly, that you invited someone and that you cared enough about someone to say, come with me to Rolling Hills. And so I'm grateful again, and I'd love to just pray for us and just say, God, come and meet us in this place and show us why it is that we're here today. So God, we give you this day. I thank you for the celebrations that have already happened today. And I thank you for this Easter weekend. And I thank you, God, that there is an empty tomb. And because the tomb is empty, everything in our life can be full and rich and meaningful. So God, we are so grateful for who you are. And we just give this rest of this time together to you. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. I'm going to read to you today from Mark chapter 16. You're going to see these words up here on the screen. You can follow along on your mobile device if you have a copy of God's word. Mark chapter 16 verses 1 through 7 are the verses that I'm going to be reading. Starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go anoint Jesus' body. And very early on in the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. So after this vicious death of Jesus, Jesus was placed in a tomb. And about three days later, this group of women comes to the tomb and he was not there. And it says in scripture that that led them to be terrified. Obviously, who wouldn't be terrified as we kind of expect a dead person to still be there? 
Because dead people don't usually raise from the dead. And so they were terrified, but yet instead of seeing Jesus, there's this angel who delivers a very calm, cool, collected, cohesive message to these ladies and says, he is not here. He is in Galilee like he told you. Anything else I can help you ladies with? So what is this angel talking about? What is this person in the tomb? What, is they, what are they actually referencing? Well, let me share a couple verses with you because that phrase, just as he told you, is so significant. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Look at Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and raised on the third day, raised to life. See, this was before Jesus even died. This is Jesus explaining to his disciples what is going to happen. And he ultimately tells them before he ever dies, my death is not gonna be the final word. Oh wait, there's more. Matthew 17, 22 through 23. When they came together in Galilee, he said to him, them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And on the third day, he will be raised to life and the disciples will filled with grief. Again, here's Jesus speaking his disciples saying, this is exactly what's going to happen. And it filled them with grief. And then in Matthew 26, 32, Jesus speaking, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into, say it with me, Galilee. Remember what the angel in the tomb said when the women arrived? He is not here. He is on his way to Galilee, just as he told you. You guys are giving me amazing audience participation. Thank you. (laughs) So he says, not only will I rise, but I will go ahead of you into Galilee. See, these are just three of the many proclamations that Jesus made from his own mouth three of many, about what he was going to do. But it's not even reflective of the myriad of Old Testament prophecies that were prophesied about what Jesus was going to do. Let me share one of those with you. Isaiah chapter 53, verses six and seven. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He, in reference to the Messiah, was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is the prophet Isaiah. He's sharing these words about the Messiah some 700 years before Jesus was ever born. And he says, this is what the Messiah is going to do. He's gonna be led to the slaughter like a sheep before its shears, but he's gonna remain silent. See, the prophecies of Isaiah and the words of Jesus' own mouth and then the reality of what actually happened on that resurrection morning is a really stark reminder for us that you see here on your screens. Maybe you wanna write this down and follow it along kind of throughout the course of this remainder of this week. Jesus can be trusted because he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Why can we trust Jesus? Jesus can be trusted because he did exactly what he said he was going to do. I mean, go back to the text, Mark 16, seven, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Those in the first century didn't really get it. His own disciples questioned it. We have this group of women who arrive at the tomb who are still trying to understand and maybe still had some doubt about, is Jesus going to be there? Even though we knew that he said he wasn't going to be, they likely probably still expected to find a dead body, but he wasn't there. That stone had rolled away and his lifeless body was no longer there. He had conquered death and that tomb was empty. And because that tomb is empty, that means that all of your sin, and that means that all of your pain, and that means that all of your brokenness can be conquered, not by you, but by him. Not by you, but by him. 
So Jesus can not only be trusted because he did exactly what he said he was going to do, Jesus can be trusted because his life was given so that you could truly live. It's another reason Jesus can be trusted. He can be trusted because his life was given sacrificially in love so that you could truly live. Look with me at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What an amazing truth that we see in scripture. That if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just and he will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what is sin? What is sin? Who is a sinner? Yes and yes. Who's, who's guilty of sin? All of us. Who has sin in their life? We all do. Because see, sin is anything that separates us from God. And it's those thoughts, it's those actions, it's those behaviors, it's anything that is not God's best for us. And it's not what God wants for us. And as a result of that, that sin separates us from God. But praise God, God sent his one and only son to die for the sin of all mankind. It's the power of the gospel. And that if we confess, according to 1 John, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of all of those sins and purify us from all of those areas of our life that are not right. Jesus Christ was faithful to forgive us of all of the sin in our life. And what is sin? Sin is it's dirty. It's anything that separates us. It's the, it's the corruption of our heart and of our mind. And I, I, sometimes I get these visual pictures. I'm a really avid coffee drinker. For those of you that don't know me, I introduce myself as, hi, I'm Jason, and I like to drink coffee. I mean, I, I literally um, I drink coffee all day long. I know I have some fellow brothers and sisters with me here that uh, can identify with that. Like, I pretty much drink it all day long. And some of you all are like, oh, yeah, I'm totally a coffee drinker. I mean, I have one cup in the morning, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a cup of coffee before my eyes are even open in the morning. I mean, so it's... Uh, may have something to do with this hyperactivity. But, um, <laughs> but when you're an avid coffee drinker like me, my wife loves this. It means that I have coffee mugs stashed everywhere. I mean, at any given time, I have six to eight coffee mugs in my car. I have six to eight coffee mugs in my office. And some of y'all are shaking your heads, so I'm in good company. I and mean, you know what I mean. But I have a question. Is this a judge-free zone? Can I be vulnerable with you guys? <laughs> that laughter meant, yeah, that's a yes. Can I be vulnerable with you? You're laughing, okay. Um, you're in for a really rude awakening. Um, not that I've ever done this. I've heard people have. But you're in a really rude awakening, you know, if you leave a coffee mug with some coffee in it for about a month and you forget about it, you know, somewhere in your office. And you open up that coffee mug, and um, trust me, it is not a pretty picture. And when I think about that, it really gives me kind of a reflection of what my life looked like before Jesus and what your life looked like before Jesus. Because before Jesus, our lives were really dirty, molded, sinful, corrupted, corroded vessels. And yet, what did God do? God sent his one and only son, Jesus. And if we confess our sin to Jesus, and if we ask him to forgive us of those sins, he comes in and wipes it all clean. And he takes it away. He takes away the junk. He takes away the mess. He takes away the errors in our life. And what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says is that, that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone and the new is here. So the death of Jesus serves as a sacrifice of love. Jesus willfully and sacrificially in love gave his life so that I could live. And the message of the gospel the message of what God has done for me and done for you is summed up so beautifully in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. See, the death of Jesus was a sacrifice of love. In love, God sent Jesus to the earth. In love, Jesus died. In love, he conquered death. And if you believe, then you don't have to fear death anymore because you don't perish, but rather you have eternal life. So let me remind you again, you are of incredible value to Jesus. Jesus is for you. He loves you. And Jesus yearns to be in a relationship with you. And when I say Jesus yearns to be in a relationship with you, he yearns to be in a growing, active relationship with you. Like we just celebrated here with baptism a few minutes ago. He yearns for us to be dead in our sin and to be raised in new with him. Because sometimes when we hear the word relationship with Jesus, we're not really thinking and we're not really reflecting on this growing relationship with Jesus, but we kind of talk about what I like to call kind of a cultural relationship with Jesus. And many of us who are born here in the South, we have a cultural or we have had a cultural relationship with Jesus. And Jesus isn't wanting just a cultural relationship with us. In fact, many of us are, were born here in the South or some of you're, you all live here now, I, I assume. And, and sometimes we can easily say, well, you know, I live in Tennessee and there's like 25 churches in a five mile radius of our house. So we're good. <laughs> you know, my grandma played the organ, you know, in our church in Mississippi. You know, my, my, my dad was in the choir. You know, I saw the power team when I was in middle school. So, you know, we're good. <laughs> Jesus wants more than that. He wants a life-giving relationship where you surrender control of your life to him and you say, God, I cannot do this on my own and I know that what you have for me is infinitely better than what I can ever conjure up in my own power. And so my hope and my prayer is that you would allow him to be the trajectory of your life and that you would be in a relationship with him where you would say, I realize that that empty tomb was a beautiful reflection of what Jesus wants to do in my life. He wants to conquer it all and take away the sin. He wants to be my savior. He wants to be the Messiah. He wants to be the conqueror of sin. But I, I wanna take a hard right turn for just a second because this does need to be said. I am, however, acutely aware that your relationship with the church, for example, might be complicated. Maybe it's been a while since you've uh, been in church and you're, you're hearing me say this afternoon that you're loved by Jesus and Jesus is for you and Jesus yearns to be in a relationship with you. And I've also said that, you know, if you don't trust people, then you, it's hard to trust people that don't live out what they say or do what they say. And some of you don't trust the church because you've seen the church be maybe a poor example of this. Or maybe you've seen hypocrisy. Or, or you've seen someone who says the predominant, the predominant message is love and I don't feel loved by you or by the institution. And I wanna let you know that I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that you have seen poor reflections. I don't doubt that you've seen hypocritical behavior. I'm not gonna stand up here and explain that away. I'm certainly not gonna make excuses uh, for other people. And I, I'm not gonna make you any promises that here at Rolling Hills that we're not gonna mistake, make mistakes either. But what I do wanna tell you is it burdens me incredibly to know that you've been hurt by a message of love and that you've been hurt maybe by an example that you have seen, but I do hope that you will see that when Jesus is our guide and when Jesus shows us how it is that we are to live, he in fact is showing us a different way. He ushered in a different way. So maybe you've lost trust because of an example that you have seen. Hear this, my friends, Jesus can be trusted because he came to seek and save the lost. Jesus can be trusted because he came to seek and save those who are lost. See, one of the more amazing snapshots of the ministry of Jesus, it comes in Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two, verses 15 through 17. 
While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors? Why does he eat with sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What does that mean? It means that Jesus gave up heaven, made himself nothing, humbled himself and came for the sick. He came to have dinner with the very crowd that the religious elite were done with. He came to wash the feet of the people who would betray him. He made room at the table for all of us. He made room at the table for broken people like me and broken people like you. That is what Jesus was about. And that's what we still seek to be about. It's why we serve. It's why here at Rolling Hills, we mobilize resources and we mobilize people in Eastern Europe to address the refugee crisis that's happening as a result of what's going on in Ukraine right now. It's why we partner with amazing organizations like the Nolensville Food Pantry. It's why we have a ministry partner called The Bridge Homeless Ministry downtown. It's why we're excited to be building a new building here on our campus that prayerfully will serve as a continued beacon of hope and life and joy for our community here in Nolensville. Because see what Jesus desired to do is he came to seek and save the lost and to give us hope. And for the past 2,000 years, followers of Jesus, imperfectly, I might add, but followers of Jesus have carried the message. And we seek to carry that message today and unashamedly believe that there is no hope like the hope of Jesus Christ. In fact, as you see here on your screen, Jesus can be trusted because of the testimony of his followers. Jesus can be trusted because of the testimony of his followers. Now, I'm not a marketing genius, but I know the best form of advertising is what? Word of mouth. You have to go to this guy. You have to try to this restaurant. This is who you need to hire for that job. See, word of mouth is the best form of marketing. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Gentile. As you and I are followers of, you're here and a follower of Jesus Christ, my hope and prayer is that you'll walk out of these doors today and say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel because it's the power that has brought salvation into my life. And it's the power that brings salvation to the life of another. Now, admittedly so, the disciples were really terrified at first. In fact, if you keep reading on a little bit, when Jesus is on his way to Galilee, the disciples are so scared of what is happening that they're actually behind lock and key. <laughs> they're not out proclaiming the message just yet, but oh, it did not take them very long to get on fire for God. And in fact, 10 of the 12 disciples were all martyred for the sake of Jesus. See, they died for the message that they saw Jesus living out. Why would they have any reason to lie? Have you noticed that most people don't go back on the things that deliver on what they say they're going to do? But when something doesn't deliver on what we say it's going to do, when something is told that you, you're, you tell me that I can trust it and I end up not being able to trust it, that's usually what I want to renege on. I mean, it's kind of like a pyramid marketing scheme. Some of y'all have bought into them before because somebody told you you were gonna become a millionaire really quickly and you were gonna get like lots of free trips to Greece and um, you're not a millionaire yet and you haven't left Smyrna and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I don't think I trust that product anymore because it didn't deliver on what it said it was going to do. I for one boldly say Jesus has changed my life. And my life is certainly not perfect, but I have peace in the midst of every storm that comes my way because I know he loves me and I know that he can be trusted. 
there are many stories, even in this room, that I could share with you. And I could keep you here all day, but I know you guys probably have deviled eggs and ham and things that you're trying to get to today. So I want you to do me a favor, though. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to listen to this story. It's from the Woodford family. And the Woodford family is a family here in the Rolling Hills Church community that went through some incredibly challenging season. and I, seasons. And, and I hope that their testimony of staying strong with Jesus will encourage you wherever you might be today. So take a look at this video. I'm Misty Woodford. I was married to Jeff Woodford for 17 years. We actually met at church. We got married in May of 2004. The whole time we've been at Rolling Hills, he's been at the preschool welcome desk wearing a big orange shirt. He was such a big and lively personality, just such a huge part of the church and such a great role model for me, even in the tough love, but also making me laugh and just gave the best hugs on planet Earth. <laughs> So February 15th, um, Jeff went to the hospital, my husband, with COVID symptoms. He'd been suffering at home for a week, um, got a breathing treatment. They sent him home, went back the following day because he was getting worse. Um, the day after that, on February 17th, he um, was moved to the ICU. They decided he needed to be put on a ventilator. And then on March 4th, we life-flighted Jeff to Centennial Medical Center where he was put on ECMO treatment, which is a heart-lung bypass oxygen-adjacent treatment. Um, was also on kidney dialysis there. He got much better. During the kids' spring break, the kids actually got to see him for the first time in over a month. Had a great day at the hospital. He was really alert, doing super well. March 19th, um, we started talking about his discharge plan. March 21st, the oxygenator on his ECMO machine failed. They changed that out early in the day on the 21st. It was considered successful surgery. All of his vitals looked good. And then the next morning on the 22nd, the doctors were making rounds and asked me if he had had any response to me yet that day. And I was like, no. They said, well, we want to do a CT scan just to make sure. An hour later, Dr. John Adams came walking down the hallway, and I knew from the look on his face what he was getting ready to tell me. And he said it was the worst aneurysm and brain bleed he had ever seen. I called Pastor Jeff and talked about what we should do about the kids and made the decision to let the day that they had seen him over spring break be their last memory. And then we went to school and had to tell the kids that their daddy wasn't coming home. Nobody thinks they're going to be a widow and single mom at 42. Like, I have a plan A, B, and C for life, and that wasn't part of any of those. Over the summer, as things calmed down, I would say that's when the true grief just set in, and you're like, oh, this is a lot. If people are asking how to do church, they just need to see how our church has surrounded us. I mean, the church walked the whole journey with us. They. They didn't just show up. They were, you know, walking beside us. They carried us. There are multiple families at Rolling Hills because they saw the way our family was left through this. You know, one of my favorite songs 
is the cross has the final word. But the cross didn't have the final word. If the cross had the final word, it ends in death. The empty tomb had the final word. When my dad was in the hospital, like his second day, the verse he got on his like Bible lap was John 11, 4, and it says, but this sickness will not end in death, but it'll be used for the glory of God so that God's son may be glorified through it. And we took that as he's not gonna die. This is not gonna kill him. And so the day he passed away, we were just sitting there in silence and there was tears and there was just such a heaviness. And then for some reason, I just said, you know, death did not win. His earthly body may have stopped breathing, but he continues to be alive and live and has the breath of life in him in heaven. That's eternity. That's what made my dad who he is. And I just think that's what the Easter story is. And I have it too, and I can continue to live out his legacy and it will not die because it has the message and testimony to Jesus in it, which is everlasting. I saw Misty and Lexi Kate this morning at the Easter Jam, um, right before the helicopter dropped thousands of eggs on the field. And I spoke to them and I said, thank you for sharing your story. And Misty looked me in the eyes and she said, I hope God uses it because it's been rough. And I looked her in the eyes and I said, he has and he will. And he will in ways that you don't even know. Why? Because see, death was not the final word for Jeff Woodford. Death does not have to be the final word for you. And death was certainly not the final word for Jesus. And even though the world put him in a tomb, and even though the world rolled a stone over that tomb, and even though the world says story over, he burst forth from that tomb glorious, conquering life, conquering death, conquering sin. And because of his death, you and I can have life. And so I pray that you find that life today. So what is your story? What is your next step? Where are you today? Lord, we thank you that you are here. And we thank you, Jesus, that the tomb did not hold you. We thank you that you have conquered death, and I pray that you would continue to conquer the sin in our life. I pray for the people right now that are in this room that are struggling with faith, that are questioning, that are wondering, can you really be trusted? God, I pray that you would remind them right now that you can, and that you would work in ways that can only be described by you. And we give our lives to you, and we seek God to live a life in relationship with you because of what you have done for us. Thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray and that we seek to live today. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If this podcast episode has blessed you in some way, we hope you will tell a friend about us and subscribe so you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Be sure to explore other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the Rolling Hills Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. See you next time, and God bless.